Good morning, everyone. Welcome. It is 75 degrees outside right now, and the uh, forecast is supposed to be up to 84 degrees. Low tonight, 68. So there you go. Extra blanket for us lowlanders, 68. Wow, that's pretty phenomenal. That's a warm day back where I used to live up in the wintertime, <laughs> oftentimes in the middle of the winter anyway. Well, we are going to move over and look at what we have in trivia today. What is the name of the Benedictine monk credited for inventing champagne? Dom Perjon, generally credited for inventing sparkling champagne wine, however, he actually just improved the process. He was originally tasked with the job of removing the bubbles since they had a tendency to cause the bottles to burst. This could create a hazardous and costly chain reaction when other bottles broke due to the shock caused by the initial breakage. So in causing and trying to look for a solution, he ended up just, <laughs> shall we say, bottling the bubbles for another reason. Well, interesting. Hmm. Exploding whale, November 12, 1970. I saw this on YouTube. Oregon Highway Division decided it'd be better to blow up a dead whale carcass on the beach but they had no idea that the parts of the whale were hitting spectators and destroying parked cars. It was such an enormous explosion and parts were going all over the place. Well, that was interesting bit of trivia. <laughs> so Ellis Island closes November 12th, 1954. Closed on this date. Served a lot of people coming into the country. It was an amazing place, actually. Loch Ness Monster, November 12, 1933. The first photo claiming to be the Loch Ness Monster is taken by Hugh Gray and is published in the Daily Express the following month. First professional football player, November 12, 1892. Pudge Hellfinger. He was paid $500 bonus for scoring a winning touchdown in the Allegheny Athletic Association against the Pittsburgh Athletic Club. Interesting. And first reusable space shuttle. Uh, the Space Shuttle Columbia's launched for the second time, officially earning the title reusable. 32 years later, in 2003, the ill-fated shuttle would disintegrate upon reentry, killing seven crew members. Hmm. Anyway, that's about it. We have a few. Let's look over at the dad jokes. Hmm. I think my wife is putting glue on my antique gun collection. She denies it, but I'm sticking to my guns. <laughs> my wife left a note on the fridge that said, it isn't working. I'm not sure what she's talking about. I opened the fridge door and it's working fine. <laughs> uh, okay. Mm. So, if you will, let's move over to the reading for today. We are in Ezekiel 7 and Ezekiel 8. And then we're going to move over into Hebrews. So see if you can find your place. We have a number of things we're praying for. And I've, I've got to get a concise list together. But if I forget your specific prayer that you've um, sent in or asked me to pray for, just remind me, send me a little note. Because there's a number of them, so I don't always get them memorized. So, Father, thank you for this morning. May you guide and bless us as we look into your word this morning. Thank you for giving us this time. And for those that you're bringing alongside us, those people that are 
in many different places. We thank you. You can bring us, God, all together as one body. In Jesus' name, amen. Ezekiel chapter 7, Punishment for the Wicked Foretold is the title. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, And you, son of man, thus says the Lord to the land of Israel, an end, the end is coming on the four corners of the land. Now the end is upon you, and I will send my anger against you, and I will judge you according to your ways and bring all your abominations upon you. For my eyes will have no pity on you, nor will I spare you, but I will bring your ways upon you, and your abominations will be among you. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, a disaster, unique disaster. Behold, it is coming. An end is coming. The end has come. It has awakened against you. Behold, it has come. Your doom has come to you, O inhabitant of the land. The time has come. The day is near, tumult rather than joyful shouting on the mountains. Now I will shortly pour out my wrath on you and spend my anger against you, judge you according to your ways, and bring on you all your abominations. My eye will show no pity, nor will I spare. I will repay you according to your ways. While your abominations are in your midst, then you will know that I, the Lord, do the smiting. Behold the day. Behold, it is coming. Your doom has gone forth. The rod has budded. Arrogance has blossomed. Violence has grown into a rod of wickedness. None of them shall remain, none of their people, nor of their wealth, nor anything eminent among them. The time has come. The day has arrived. Let not the buyer rejoice, nor the seller mourn, for wrath is against all their multitude. Indeed, the seller will not regain what he sold as long as they both live, for the vision regarding all their multitude will be averted, nor will any of them maintain his life by his iniquity. They have blown the trumpet and made everything ready, but no one is going to the battle. For my wrath is against all their multitude. The sword is outside, and the plague and the famine are within. He who is in the field will die by the sword. Famine and plague will also consume those in the city. Even when their survivors escape, they will be on the mountains like doves of the valleys, all of them mourning, each over his own iniquity. All the hands wanting limp, and all knees will become like water. They will gird themselves with sackcloth, and shuddering will overwhelm them, and shame will be on their faces, and baldness on all their heads. They will fling their silver into the streets, and their gold will become an abhorrent thing. Their silver and their gold will not be able to deliver them in the day of the wrath of the Lord. They cannot satisfy their appetite, nor can they fill their stomachs, for their iniquity has become an occasion of stumbling. Verse 20, they transformed the beauty of his ornaments into pride, and they made the images of their abominations and their detestable things with it. Therefore, I will make it an abhorrent thing to them. I will give it into the hands of the foreigners as plunder and to the wicked of the earth as spoil and they will profane it. I will also turn my face from them, and they will profane my secret place. 
then robbers will enter and profane it. Make the chain, for the land is full of bloody crimes, and this city is full of violence. Therefore, I will bring the worst of the nations, and they will possess their houses. I will also make the pride of the strong ones cease, and their holy places will be profaned. When anguish comes, they will seek peace, but there will be none. Disaster will come upon disaster, and rumor will be added to rumor. Then they will seek a vision from a prophet, but the law will be lost from the priests and counsel from the elders. The king will mourn, the prince will be clothed with horror, and the hands of the people of the land will tremble. According to their conduct, I will deal with them, and by their judgments I will judge them, and they will know that I am the Lord. Chapter 8, The Visions of Abominations in Jerusalem, verse 1. And it came about in the sixth year of the fifth day of the sixth month, as I was sitting in my house with the elders of Judah sitting before me, that the hand of the Lord fell on me there. Then I looked, and behold, a likeness as the appearance of a man. From his loins and downward there was an appearance of fire, and from his loins and upward the appearance of brightness, like the appearance of glowing metal. And he stretched out the form of a hand and caught me by the lock of my head and the spirit lifted me up between earth and heaven and brought me in the vision of god to jerusalem to the entrance of the north gate the inner court where the seat of the idol of jealousy which provokes to jealousy was located and behold the glory of the god of israel was there like the appearance which i saw in the plain then he said to me son of man Raise your eyes now towards the north. So I raised my eyes towards the north. And behold, to the north of the altar gate was the idol of jealousy at the entrance. And he said to me, Son of man, do you see what they are doing? The great abominations which the house of Israel are committing here, so that I would, so that I would be far from my sanctuary. But yet you will see still greater abominations. And then he brought me to the entrance of the court. And when I looked, behold, a hole in the wall and he said to me, Son of man, now dig through the wall. So I dug through the wall, behold, an entrance. And he said to me, Go in and see the wicked abominations that they are committing here. So I entered and looked, and behold, every form of creeping thing and things and beasts and detestable things with all the idols of the house of Israel were carved on the walls all around. Standing in front of them were 70 elders of the house of Israel with Jezaniah the son of Shaphan, standing among them, each man with his censer in his hand and the fragrance of the cloud of incense rising. And he said to me, Son of man, do you see what the elders of the house of Israel are committing in the dark, each man in the room of his carved images? For they say the Lord does not see us. The Lord has forsaken the land. And he said to me, Yet you will see still greater abominations which they are committing. Then he brought me to the entrance of the gate of the Lord's house, which was toward the north. And behold, women were sitting there weeping for Tammuz. And he said to me, Do you see this, son of man? Yet you will see still greater abominations than these. Then he brought me into the inner court of the Lord's house. And behold, at the entrance of the temple of the Lord, between the porch and the altar were about 
25 men with their backs to the temple of the Lord and their faces towards the east and they were prostrating themselves eastward towards the sun. And he said to me, do you see this, son of man? Is it too light a thing for the house of Judah to commit the abominations which they have committed here, that they have filled the land with violence and provoked me repeatedly? For behold, they are putting a twig to their nose. Therefore, I indeed will deal in wrath. My eye will have no pity, nor will I spare. And though they cry in my ears with a loud voice, yet I will not listen to them. Well, so obviously Ezekiel isn't going there physically. It says he's taken up a division and he's brought into Jerusalem. He travels back to Judah and there he's allowed to go into the temple area. And in the spirit, he's being shown these things that are actually happening in real time. So these people are in there in their secret chambers with basically pornography on the walls and idolatry on the walls, and they're bowing down to these false idols in these secret rooms around the temple itself. They pretty much abandoned Yahweh worship, and they've developed all kinds of their own pagan worship, and they're doing it in dark, secret places, as we see today these secret organizations do. And yet he says, and they don't think I see them. And God says, I see them. And he sees these other abominations, Tammuz, course is a very pagan the whole issue of tammuz came out of the tower of babel and it was really a, a replacement for yahweh for the people that were rejecting god and it's the whole study of tammuz is very interesting he himself supposedly died and was resurrected and it's very anti-god it's very anti in all aspects the women were crying for tammuz and then of course then we see this one situation where the the, the people were uh, turned their backs to the the temple itself and were facing the east and bowing down and worshiping with their backsides, shall we speak, shall we say, pointed in the direction of the Holy of Holies in the temple. And, you know, God to that was an abomination to God. And if you look today at, at the Muslims up on the Temple Mount when they worship, they do exactly the same thing. They are facing the east, bowing down, and with their backs and their backsides to the temple and the temporary, the Holy of Holies. Now, we know that the temple is no longer there, or the Holy of Holies it's, resides in us, but people feel that they do this as much as to be mocking Judaism as they do to be worshiping Allah, to be facing the Eastern when they do this. But God is not mocked, and God will hold them accountable no matter what our position's on, whether there is anything there on the Temple Mount, I don't think, but just the the um, dishonor to them, to what was there and to what God had established. It is going to be, uh, God is still going to hold people accountable, and he's still going to hold Israel accountable, anyone accountable who has walked away, who has, in the secret of their own heart, in the secret of their house, worshiping the abominations, the things that are unclean, ungodly, and not falling at the feet of Jesus and asking for forgiveness, who is our high priest, who brings us into the Holy of Holies, who intercedes for us. There is a continuity of the type of worship that was going on that they were doing wrong, but we see there was a way to do it right. So that's why we have the whole book of Hebrews, which we're looking at now, Hebrews chapter 4. Therefore, let us fear if, while 
a promise remains of entering his rest. Any one of you may seem to have come short of it. For indeed, we have had good news preached to us, just as they also. But the word they heard did not profit them, because it was not united by faith in those who heard. For we who have believed enter that rest, just as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundations of the world, for he said somewhere concerning the seventh day, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage, they shall not enter my rest. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly had good news preached to them failed to enter because of disobedience, he again fixed a certain day, today, saying through David, after so long a time, as has been said before today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day after that. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. And for the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. Therefore, let us be diligent and enter that rest so that no one will fall. Through following the same examples of disobedience, for the word of God is living and it's active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of the soul and the spirit, both joints and marrow, and is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. I think the writer of Hebrews, which I think was Paul, has a great heart for the Hebrew people that are coming into the church, saying they're believers. They want to believe, but they haven't fully yielded themselves over it. And he, he seems to be warning them. There was Israel. Israel was released out of, out of Egypt. They followed Yahweh. They said they were obedient to him and to his leadership, but in their hearts, they really weren't. And in their hearts, they could not enter into the rest of the promised land because really of their lack of faith. It was really came down to a lack of faith of believing everything God was saying which led to their disobedience, sending the spies, spies come back, I don't think you can do it, God, you're not big enough. Didn't have the faith to believe that God could overcome and establish them. Yet, he says, there's, he seems to be indicating that some of you in the church believe that you're saved, but you're really not. You, you have a said faith, but not a real faith. You say you believe in Jesus, but you really haven't put your faith fully in him. And therefore, you've not entered into the rest. What you've been trying to do is, is, is work your way into his presence. And so he's given them this understanding that today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. 
understand that it is not by the works that a man can enter into that rest. The rest has been given to us by everything God did and everything Jesus did. Jesus, after the cross, was there. That was his work. God in creation, of course, gave us the whole world, and he rested on the seventh day. Jesus essentially rested from his work after he went to the cross and was resurrected. And now we have this, what we would call the church age, the Sabbath whole rest of the church age, where we can enter into that rest and say, you know what, I'm ceasing trying to work my way and trying to go to Mass and say enough prayers, light enough candles, do enough pilgrimages. Now we got the whole thing of carrying the idol through the village, you know, through every colonia. They got the idol and the candles, and we're going to carry this little plastic um, this little plastic idol that we dressed up. We're going to carry it from this house to this house, sing songs, and hold candles. And somehow God's going to be really impressed with us. And God's going to go, good job, you guys deserve heaven. That is a works righteousness. It is. It goes beyond, yeah, it really goes beyond reverence because Reverence is, is kind of a is, is kind of a code word for it's basically what well, we we want to give honor and we give honor to Mary for being the mother of Jesus, but when you start praying to an image, that's idolatry. That's what it is. Plain and simple. That's why Jesus said we're not to have make any graven images, any kind of idol, not of him, not of Mary, not of anybody. And uh, anyway, so so this is all going on, and, and he's basically the writer of Hebrews saying, look, you need to stop that. It's time to cease from all that and believe by faith and, and accept the, the rest that's been given to you, the finished work on the cross. Rest in that by faith, and then you'll know that you can enter into that. Then you'll know that you have received his grace. You have received the mercy. And you can find help in time of need. They were in time of need in those days. There was a lot of persecution, a lot of things going on. He says, you'll find that help when you do it. Because God's work, God's word is, is faithful. It's the living word of God. It can go, if you believe by faith the words. Now, remember, we're moving past the time of walking with Jesus. Now, the writer of Hebrews, Paul, who assuming it's Paul, never really walked with Jesus physically, but he did spiritually. He's saying, now understand that the words that we were given by Jesus are sharper than a two-edged sword, has the ability to transform nations and countries and your own life and bring you to the point of eternal salvation, eternal rest, acceptance by God. It's powerful. So don't look to the external, look to the internal, look to the power of what God is doing in his Holy Spirit and through his word in you, the living word of God. Charles Spurgeon, sanctified souls are satisfied. My people shall be satisfied by my goodness, saith the Lord, Jeremiah 31, 14. Note that my, which comes twice, my people shall be satisfied by my goodness. The kind of people who are satisfied with God are marked out as God's own. He is pleased with them, for they are pleased with him. They call him their God, and he calls them his people. 
He is satisfied to take them for a portion, and they are satisfied with him for their portion. This is a mutual communion of delight between God's Israel and Israel's God. These people are satisfied. This is a grand thing. Very few of the sons of men are ever satisfied. Let their lot be what it may. They have swallowed the horse leech, and it continually cries, Give, give. Only sanctified souls are satisfied souls. God himself must both convert us and content us. It is no wonder that the Lord's people should be satisfied with the goodness of their Lord. Here is goodness without mixture, bounty without stint, mercy without chiding, love without change, favor without reserve. If God's goodness does not satisfy us, what will? What? Are we still groaning? Surely there is a wrong desire within if it be one which God's goodness does not satisfy. Lord, I am satisfied. Blessed be thy name. And Father, do. We do say, blessed be your name. We're satisfied and we are resting in you. We understand. We remember we still experience the power of your living word as it goes into us and it it goes to the very depths of our souls and it draws us out and it shows us who we are and it, it bids us to come and die and allow you to then bring us up out of the grave with you in a newness, in, in, a, in a new birth, a new life, unified with you, intertwined with you and separate, unseparated from you. And so in our new birth, we are completely full we are operating by spirit drive. We're allowing you to control us, to be our Lord, to guide us and direct us. And in that, we have contentment. In that, we find ourselves satisfied. So thank you, God, for that. And thank you for that understanding, that knowledge, and the, and the peace that surpasses all understanding when we do that. And Father, we do pray that for those people who have recently come to know you that are growing in that we think of the people that were just contacted on the evangelism team the various people that were mentioned these two people that just received the lord that pablo wrote about told us about how exciting father to see that these two young people corolla and jorge who just accept the lord that they might come to church that they might just continue we know the enemy is going to try and rob the enemy is going to try and take away that very precious thing they did, but God guard them and, and let them hold on to it and let them come into a full knowledge. Pray for Leonardo from Guadalajara as well, who's not made a decision. God, we desire that he would soon come face to face with you and reality is mortality and, and bow his knee and accept you. Kristen, who's been dealing with Lyme's disease and, and her punctured lung and different thing, and her friend Chris, pray for them both that they would come into a deep abiding relationship with you get excited God to see what you're doing and how they could come to understand you that your word is living that it does bring us into an amazing awareness and that you can guide us and just blow our minds with how much you love us and the things that you want to do through us and the peace that is available and all of the joy that surrounds those who know you and believe you and follow you and walk in your truth 
we pray for them. We pray for Raquel, her surgery, which is coming up, God, or, or I should say treatment better, that that goes very well on Monday. We want to pray for Mary, who's got uh, back in the States waiting for her surgery on her ear, that that would go very well. Thank you that you are healing her and touching her. God, it's it's always amazing to see how how many people have come through so many difficult things, but you are still the God of all all healing. We thank you for Juan Carlos in Mexico City, who is now seven treatments away, something like that, from finishing up his radiation. And so, Father, we are excited for him. We're excited to hear how it goes and that he can, uh, that little by little, God, he's getting stronger, and you are going to continue to heal him. We're standing in the gap with him, God, just waiting on you to do your work bring it back. I want to pray for Maria Elena as well with her cancer and what's going on there. Thank you for all that you are doing in, in her life. And of course, for Celeste and Karen Skoog and our other friends, God, that are spread out all over the place that have a lot of things going on in their bodies, that you would heal them, God, and make them whole. And God, we want to lift up uh, Hank and uh, in Canada. And he's going through another treatment for his cancer. God, may you just completely heal him up. And we just ask, God, that you would do a mighty work in him. We want to pray for Florence, his wife, and uh, that she uh, as she gets a good report from her cardiologist and she goes to see him. And uh, just God, just continue to heal her as she also fractured her arm, God. And that's got to be tough after falling and having to deal with not only a, a heart issue, but now having to heal up her arm just to heal her up quickly, God, encourage her. Hopefully she has a good <laughs> a good outlook and she's not discouraged. Maybe just encourage her, God, and help her to, to not feel the pain, but to just continue on. Just heal them up, God, and give them their treatment so that they can continue on to serve you. And Father... Just we ask you to bless the service tomorrow greatly that uh, we might be seeking your word, might be coming before you. Bring those people that you want, God, develop a deeper walk with you and those that, that you want to be working with to bring out of the world and into relationship. We ask that you anoint us, those that are willing to come and serve. Anoint those that, that have a hunger to serve you and just for service. Anoint them. Bring us, God, in and let the, let your spirit overwhelm us with your joy and with your goodness. And teach us all things, God, of godliness. So we thank you for the time we'll have tomorrow. Bless our preparation today and your word. And, and God, just bring in the people so that your word can spread and continue to use this ministry, God, through the live feed and the podcast to let your word get out to the hungry and the hurting and the lonely and to the encouraged, the believer, so that we might continue on in the things you want us to do. So thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. That will do it, everybody, on this Saturday here. We will continue on every day and manna for breakfast. God bless you guys. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional, which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word.